Hi there. Afternoon. Happy almost Easter. Uh, my name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, how many of you are familiar with the game show Let's Make a Deal? You know what I'm talking about? They, I mean, they used to have it a long time ago, then I have kind of a, a newer version. Uh, if you're not, it's where people come and they dress up in, in funny costumes and you try and win a prize behind one of the, the mystery doors, right? Now, I want you to imagine that you're on the show. Okay, congratulations. Uh, you wore a costume, you're dressed up as a giant pink peep or something, right? And instead of playing for a, a car or a, a blender, let's say that for some reason you're playing for where you're going to live for the next 25 years. And you've, you've agreed that wherever the door opens up to, I mean, there's a key behind there or whatever, wherever it opens up to, you're going you're gonna to accept it, right? Whether it's good, bad, or, or Wisconsin. And so the, the, the host informs you that Behind one set of doors is a set of keys that's going to bring you to this place that is amazingly luxurious, right? It's filled with the abundance of everything you'd ever need. But behind another set of doors, and you don't know which is going to lead to which, is a different set of keys that are going to lead you to this miserable-looking living space. It smells miserable. You're just going to be miserable if you have to live there for the next 25 years. Now, because this is such a big deal, it's 25 years, they tell you they're going to make an exception for you, and you're going to have three months to decide, do you open door number one, or do you open door number two? Okay, if this is you, what are you doing for three months? Are you just going to go, ah, I'm just going to pick one? If it's me, I'm doing everything I can <laughs> to try to figure out how to open the right door. 25 years is a long time. Do you know what 25 years ago was? 1994. You know what the number one song was of 1994? You know who had the number one song? I'll tell you right now. Ace of Bass. <laughs> yes, right? So I rest my case. A long, a long time ago. Like, I don't want to spend the next 25 years of my life just on a, on a hunch. And so I'm going to try and get everything I can out of host Wayne Brady. Right? I'm, I'm going to try and quiz the stagehands. Like, what do you know? I, I'm going uh, to interview a past contestants. I'm even going to go watch old episodes of the show and try and mathematically figure out, okay, do they usually put the good stuff behind door number one or whatever? You're going to try and research it. Okay, so let's make it bigger, right? Because I think this makes sense. Let's say, totally different premise now. Let's say there are two doors. You don't know what's behind which, but you know that one door is going to lead to the afterlife in heaven, and the other door is going to lead to an afterlife in not heaven, right? The Bible calls it hell. And let's say, because this is true, you've got a lifetime to research it, to figure it out. But when you get there, it's not going to last for 25 years. It's going to last for forever, right? And it'll be permanent. Whenever I hear it explained like that, I, I'm always reminded, because we get so distracted by our lives, I'm always reminded that that, that is the most pressing decision in anyone's life, right? Whom we'll marry, uh, where we're going to go to school, all of those just sort of pale in comparison to this question of where am I going to be the next, say, trillion years or so, right? And see, you don't, you don't have to guess on that decision. You don't have to say, well, I'll just go with this, or I'll just go on a hunch. I mean, think about this. We don't guess about a lot of stuff anymore. Why would we guess on that? Most of you, you don't even guess on restaurants anymore. Like, if you're driving in your car and you, you see a restaurant, do you just go, hey, let's just pull over and eat, and eat there? You know, m- most people in 2019, what do you do? 
you get out your phone, right, or you go home, and you spend three times as long reading reviews and researching than you would even eating at the place. And so, if we're not going to guess even on a restaurant, why guess about the most important decision of your life? See, I don't think we have to guess. Here's the thing about Easter: Jesus, who is the Son of God, he comes to Earth, he dies on a cross. And at Easter, he's resurrected from the dead. And if we want to know how to get to heaven, who better to ask than one who's actually been there? So here's the thing about Easter. The story of Easter isn't just about how Jesus was raised to life. It's, it's bigger than that. It actually points how to how you can be raised to life after death. All right, we're going to look at a story in the Bible, or a letter in the Bible, that was written by a man named Paul. Now, Paul was a skeptic. He was convinced that Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. He thought it was all a scam, until one day he had such a powerful experience of the risen Jesus that he became one of the most famous believers in all of Christianity. And so Paul's writing this letter, it's now in the Bible, where he's making the connection between Jesus' death and resurrection at Easter and our death and resurrection. I want you to check this out. This is from Ephesians chapter 2 in the Bible. It'll be on the screen for you. Paul says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Okay, there's a lot in there, but one of the things I want you to notice is twice Paul says that before we give our lives to Jesus, he says we are dead. He uses this word dead. So the Bible calls this being dead in your sins. Uh, a sin being uh, where we, we go against God, we do, the, we do the wrong thing. Because in our sin, in a sense, we are spiritually dead. We're spiritually dead here on earth and after earth. Uh, it's kind of a tricky concept, so I, I want you to think of it this way. Okay, imagine that you're uh, in a science class. Uh, do you remember science class like in, in elementary school and middle school? I always thought like, the worst day was you show up, and there's the smell in the room, and the teacher says... Hey, uh, sorry, we're dissecting frogs today, right? It's like, oh, no. Some of you actually like that day, which you should see someone about that probably. But when, when you get to college, right, especially if you want to be a medical professional or you get to med school, eventually they'll have you looking even at a cadaver, right? And so you're going to have to go to something like a morgue. So imagine that you're in medical school. You've got to go to a morgue, right? And you're at the morgue, and you're looking at this person who is dead. In that moment, the difference between you and them, Paul is saying in this passage, is like the difference between someone who's been made alive by God and someone who hasn't. When you've been made alive by God, everything is different. It's like seeing in color when all you've seen in your whole life is in black and white. It's like listening to good music for the first time when all you've listened to in the past is Ace of Bass, right? In, in the Bi- I'm sorry if I really offended you. It, in the Bible, Jesus calls this earthly transformation from death to life. He calls it being born again. 
like when you truly accept God into your life, you surrender your life to him, it's like you're born into this kind of life that you didn't even know was possible here on earth. But it's even better than that. We're told in the passage that when you surrender your life to Jesus, not, not only is he going to bring you this new lease on life here on earth, it says he can raise you from the dead and you'll be with him forever in heaven. And this goes back to this question we started at the beginning. I believe that the two most important questions for every single human being are, one, how do I have a relationship with God? And two, how do I spend my eternity in heaven with God? Okay, so if those are the most important questions, then let's talk about it. How, how do we get there then? Like, which door do we open? How do we know which one? What does the Bible say about it? Okay, imagine for a second you're back in the morgue. Okay, what if you said to the dead body, you're standing there by the dead body, and you say, hey, hey, dead body, get up. It's kind of ridiculous, right? What if you said, hey, uh, a dead body, uh, raise yourself to heaven. Can they do it? No, they're dead, right? (laughs) It's not going to happen. A dead person can't do anything. You see, the Bible says the same thing about us spiritually before we give our lives to Jesus. It says we are spiritually dead. I think this is one of the most important things for us to understand, but I think it's particularly hard for Americans to understand that we are spiritually dead without Christ and we're unable to save ourselves, just like a dead person. Okay, but why? Like, why are we unable to save ourselves? Well, the Bible says it's because we all sin. Every day, I sin. I'm probably on like sin 37 for today, right? We, we have sin in our lives. Okay, but why does that keep us from saving ourselves? Well, the Bible says it's because God is a holy God. He's a perfect God. He's a just God, meaning that if, if we sin, that there's consequence for it. Like you couldn't even respect God with all the evil in this world if he was just like, yeah, I don't really care about sin. But no, no there's, there's, there's consequence even for our own sin. And spiritually, that means unless somebody's taking care of, they're paying for our sin, which we're going to get to, if nobody's doing that, that means that the sin is on us. And it means then that when we die, that we don't go to heaven, that we actually go to hell. It's, it's, like, it's like you imagine that sin is this enormous weight on your body in the grave, And unless someone finds some way to remove that sin from our lives, we cannot be raised. Okay, now I get that. I probably just made some people feel uncomfortable, right? Like, we're not so good at talking about this kind of stuff anymore in America. Like, we have this agreement that, okay, the world is kind of a mess right now. But as soon as someone starts mentioning, like, sin or we say hell, like, those are things that you just, you're not supposed to talk about anymore. And I think we have this hard time of accepting any sort of diagnosis that's difficult to hear. Like I was talking to a, a nurse the other day, and uh, they were telling me this is a new trend that they're, they're seeing more and more in hospitals, is that patients, whenever they're giving, given difficult news from a doctor that they just don't want to hear, that nowadays they just say, oh, I just want a different doctor. And I feel like in a lot of ways Americans treat spiritual things that way. Like, we're not so good at receiving the tough diagnosis. And I think it's particularly hard for us because we grew up in this culture, right, where as American kids especially, you are special, 
You're, you're the main character in life. You're the protagonist. You're the hero. But the Bible says, no, no. Actually, Jesus is the hero. He's described as the savior. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means, well, I need to be saved. He's described as the rescuer. What does that mean? Oh, it means I kind of need to be rescued. He's described as the life giver. Well, then that means that I need to be brought back to life. I can't save myself without Jesus. I'm spiritually dead. And when I die without Jesus, then how will I raise? See, I think this is the fundamental question for all of us today. Is who will raise you from the dead? When you die, and sin is weighted on your body, who will raise you from the dead? See, we're not just like sick in our sins, like, oh, we just got to improve and get better. It says we're dead. We're dead in our sins. Who will raise you from the dead? Enter Jesus. Okay, 2,000 years ago, God sends his son Jesus to earth. On that first Easter weekend, this is why we celebrate Easter. Jesus, not only did he resurrect on Sunday, but on that Friday, he died willingly on a cross. Okay, why in the world would anyone do that? The Bible teaches that he's doing it for you. It says he's dying in your place for your sins on the cross. Paul says it this way in another letter in the Bible. He says, for God made Christ, that's Jesus, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins. So that's like a substitution, a swapping, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So he's saying, okay, Jesus comes to earth, he's never sinned, and he's going to die on the cross for your sins in your place. And if you believe in him, it's like taking that sin off of you that's not letting you raise, it's taking that sin off of you when you believe in him, and it's like putting it on Jesus so you can be made clean, so you can be raised, so you can be forgiven. That's amazing. And what's even more amazing, and it's not, it's not like God was just saying, hey, you know what, this is the right thing to do, so we ought to send Jesus down. God actually wants to have a relationship with you. Do you know that? He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to come into your life. See, that's what completely transforms you. Or we're talking about this new life and just seeing color when you used to see black and white. Well, yeah, that happens when God comes into your life. Think about how amazing God is. So if you actually read this letter to the Ephesians, I encourage you to do it. He, he starts and he's just listing all of our sin. He's like, well, we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this. And you kind of go, oh, no. And then you get to, to verse 4 and then Paul says, but. Okay, we do all this, but. But God, now watch this. He says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. He loves you so much that even though you've sinned against God, even though you've maybe ignored God your entire life, he still loves you. He wants to save you. Now, maybe you've never heard this message before, and I pray that it's just messing with your soul. But I feel like in America, there's a lot of people that have heard this message. And we go, oh, that's really cool, that's neat, that's sweet, that Jesus loves me. But I'm just not going to, like, surrender my life to Jesus. 
I'm not turning my life over to him. That's really neat. Thank you. But I'm just going to kind of go on as I've been living. And I would just say back to you, then who will, when you die, because you will, then who will raise you from the dead? Who will raise you from the dead? To which I think most of us respond like, well, I will. Like, I've, I've, I've done enough. Like, I'm, 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 a, I'm a pretty decent person. And we start going through the list in our minds, right? And we say, oh, well, you know, I volunteer. I, I, I coach my kids' soccer team. They're 0-12. They're awful. And so I deserve some points for that, right? Uh, my, my kid's annoying friend comes to my house every day, and I put up with him. So some points for that, right? And it's like, okay, that's nice. But still, we're not perfect, we all sin. The Bible says we fall short of God's holy standard. If we sin even once, we're dead spiritually. We cannot raise ourselves from the dead. We don't get saved by doing good things. It's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about Christianity. I'll just be good and then God will raise me. That's not how it works at all. Uh, in fact, a few verses later in Ephesians, Paul says it this way, verse 8. It says, God saved you by his grace. That's like offering free forgiveness. That's not even deserved. When you became a really good person? No, it says when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. His forgiveness, the chance to be saved, it's a gift to you. It's freely given to those who want to accept it, right? Because you can refuse a gift. You can say, I don't want to open that. But if you accept it and you believe, you say, I want to follow you, Jesus, then yeah, he will raise you to life. He will save you. But still we say, again, that sounds so nice, but no, I don't need that. I don't need to turn my life over to Jesus because well, I'm not like so-and-so. This is where we go next, right? We say, I'm not like so-and-so because they, they cheated on their spouse. We say, I'm not like so-and-so. Like, they're, they're an abuser. I'm not like so-and-so. They're addicted to, 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 to drugs. See, I'm not like them. And so when it comes to the end of my days, I'll be fine. And the Bible says, no, you won't because you're dead spiritually. Okay, think of it this way. Imagine that you are walking a battlefield after a war. And there are 100 dead corpses on the battlefield. And you walk by some of them, and they're just almost un- unrecognizable, right? Just mangled. And you walk by others, it's like hard to even tell where they were wounded, but they died. In the end, it doesn't matter which one looks better to onlookers. The reality is, they're all dead. It doesn't matter how you look compared to other people. Without Jesus, we're dead. And the message of Easter is that he can make you alive. Just like he was made alive. Well, that's hard to accept, right? Because you've just got to lower, we have to lower our pride. Say, I can't save myself. That reminds me of, you, you remember in Hurricane Katrina, when, I mean, there's so much of this on the news. 
You know, so many people were stranded and they started sending in boats and helicopters to save people. I read an article not too long ago. It was by a guy named uh, Lieutenant Ian McConnell. He was uh, one of the first teams in on helicopters to to save people. And he said, we got there and the conditions were just devastating. And so they were rescuing people from rooftops, from windows. I mean, you name it. And he said, but what was the most heartbreaking is for all the people that they rescued, there were even more that said, no, we don't need to be rescued. They said, we're fine. If you could just give us some food and water, we'll be, we'll be okay, but we don't need to be rescued. Well, the helicopter team, they obviously they can't rescue people who don't want to be rescued, right? And sadly, some of those people who said, we're fine, I'm just going to make it on my own, ultimately, they, they perished. And I think a lot of Americans, we treat God in the same way. We just can't get ourselves to admit that we cannot rescue ourselves. We can't raise ourselves from the dead up to heaven. A lot of Americans just want God to kind of swoop in here or there during some difficult spots with some food and water to help them get through tough times. But who will save you from the weight of your sin? Who will raise you from the dead? Like, I know this is in your heart somewhere. A lot of us, we go to bed at night, and what keeps us going is we, we compare ourselves to other people, right? And we say, okay, no, it's fine, because I'm better than. Like, I'm better than those conservatives. <laughs> I'm better than those liberals. I'm better than those alcoholics. And yet, at the same time, it's like, we're having trouble sleeping. Because deep inside, we're burdened with our own mistakes, many of them that many people don't even see. But you know who sees them? God sees them. And he loves you anyway. He wants to rescue you. And listen, I also know that there are some of you in here right now that you're going, yeah, David, I, I, get, I actually get it. My life's a mess. You know when you were saying like, Oh, I'm not like this person or that person. I am this person or that person. I am the addict. I am the abuser. I'm the ex-con. I'm the adulterer. And maybe you've been thinking the last few years of your life that there's no way God could save you based on what you did. There's no way that anybody could turn your life around. There's no, based on what you've done, you've been thinking there's no way that God could love me. I will just tell you right now, you are wrong. Look at what it said and what we read in the Bible today. It said, God is rich in his mercy and his forgiveness. You know what that means? It means you can't out-sin the forgiveness of God. There's nothing that you could have done that Jesus isn't willing to forgive. I mean, think about this. Jesus knows the future. You know what that means? It means when he's getting ready to die in your place on the cross, he already knows everything that you're going to do with your life. All the sin, all the mistakes. He's seen it all, and still he says, I'll go and die for them. He looks at your dead body covered with sin and says, that's the one I want to raise to life. I love them. We often explain Christianity this way. We say, you are more sinful 
than you ever dared believe, but you're more loved than you ever dared hope. And it's only when you say, all right, I surrender, God. I'm going to stop trying to do this on my own. I'm giving my life to you. That he comes in. And he brings new life. And so I just beg of you this afternoon. Let him into your life. Let him into your life. Let him raise you. Let him save you. It's a gift. And he's passing it over to you right now. At this critical juncture in your life. Saying, I want to come in. I want to change you. The question is, will you open it? Will you let him in? Now, I just believe there are some of you in this room right now that are ready to open it. And so let's do this. Let's just have everybody humor me for just a minute or two. And would everybody in the room, would you just close your eyes? If you feel comfortable, you can even bow your head. If you, if you want to make that decision to open that gift, to let God into your life, to believe Jesus died on the cross for you, to say, I want to follow you now. I want to give you an opportunity to do this. Right? This is how you're forgiven. You're never going to be good enough on your own. This is how you go to heaven. You accept that Jesus died for you. You say, I want to follow you. If that's you in just a minute, I'm actually going to ask you to quietly stand up where you are. Right? That's just a symbolic way for you to kind of draw the line in the sand for your life. Nobody's going to be looking at you. I just said everybody close their eyes, okay? So kind of put that out of your mind. But if you want to do this, I will tell you, that you're not making a decision here to just accept forgiveness and go on with life as normal. This is an act of surrender. It's, it's, it's saying, God, you've seen all of me and yet you love me and want to forgive me, so I'm going to give you all of me. So wherever you are in this room, if I'm talking to you and you've never done this before and you just like to become a follower of Jesus, to start a relationship with him, to open that gift of forgiveness. If that's you, and you're ready to follow him, and you want to be forgiven, would you just stand up wherever you are right now? Go ahead. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is amazing. (laughs) Amen. God is so good. You can just stay standing as other people join you. There's a lot of you standing. Who else doesn't need to join these people? Say, "I, I want to be forgiven. I've got to let you in my life, God. Who else? If you just feel it on your heart, you're going, oh, I'm just feeling it right now. I need to, yes, that, that's God. Join these people and just stand. Yes, amen. Let me just give you another 10 seconds or so. Amen. Amen. If you just know, I gotta surrender. I can't get there on my own. I can't raise myself from the dead. And you need Jesus in your life and you need to follow him. Would you just join these many people and just stand? I'll give you a couple more seconds. Amen. All right, I I, I want us to pray because I think this just is such an important time. If you still feel like you need to stand, you can stand at any time during this. The Bible says when we get to this point in our lives that we we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts. So I'm going to ask you to just pray a prayer, just to repeat after me. It's not magic. It's just a time for you in your life to just say out loud what's happening to God. Now, there are a number of believers in this room already, so if you're a believer in Jesus, whether for the first time or you've been for a long time, would you just repeat this out loud after me? Dear God, I confess to you that I've sinned against you. But God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus 
to take my place. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. And now I commit to following you with my life. As everyone still has their eyes closed, I want to talk to the whole group of you that are standing right now. I I believe that you just made the most important decision of your entire life. And I think any important decision, just you need to know next steps. Like, like, okay, well, what do you do now that you made this decision? And so what I want to do is I want to just take a couple minutes and I just want to tell you what to do next and give you some resources. We're just going to move on with the service. And so what I want you to do is, in just a second, I'm going to have one of our leaders come up here and pray. And I'm going to walk out into the hallway. And the whole group of you that are standing, I want you to walk out there with me while everyone has their eyes closed. And I'll just give you some next steps, and then you'll be able to come back into the service. And so let's go together, and uh, you can go right now. So let's go. And if you made this decision too, and you didn't stand, but just come with us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for loving us so much that you sacrificed yourself on a cross. Thank you for having the power to raise back from the dead and to raise us from the dead as well. We are grateful for that, Lord, and we pray that we can live a life worthy of the sacrifice we have received from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.